0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download
1: our mobile app from the App Store.
0: No name, no name like Jesus can't be overcome. Can't. Jesus, Jesus, the all-powerful one, our creator. He's our life. He is our life life's what we've been talking about. And you know what? Life could be a lifelong series. We could talk about life for, uh, really, forever. But uh, this morning, this is the, uh, the last. We'll be bringing this series to a close. And it started with the idea that Jesus, Jesus, this name, this powerful name, this wonderful name, Jesus, that he ought to be the center, the focus of our life. And This morning, I want to touch on not just Jesus and all that he did while he was here and what he did by dying on the cross, but the gift that he offered and gave after he was ascended into heaven. And it's a gift of life, really, and that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk a little bit this morning about life in the Spirit, life by the Spirit. What is this gift? Life. What is life of the believer? In Scripture, it has a ready answer for us. Life, true, authentic, real, life. It's, it's in the, uh, the image and the likeness that God gave us. But God gave us the, his image and likeness in our soul and that soul gets renewed, that soul gets regenerated when we come to Jesus Christ. And there's this breath of the Holy Spirit that, that can quicken us, the Bible says, or bring life in this awesome, wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus put it this way. He said it very simply. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is not only the guide, he's not only uh, the the guide to uh, life, he is the way. So he's more than just an overarching principle. He he says, I am the way. And then there's the next. Jesus is more than just the teacher, he's more than just the bringer of truth. He says, I am the truth itself. He embodies it. And finally, Jesus said, he's life. Not just the author of life, not just the giver of life. Jesus is life. And that life that he offers us is something that is empowering through this gift of the Holy Spirit. And because Jesus is this life, Paul wrote to the Colossians, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And to the Galatians, Paul wrote, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's a powerful sentence, Christ lives in me. Can you say that this morning? Do you believe it? Can you actually say that Christ lives in me? And if you doubt it or you can't, let's talk about that this morning. What is is the necessity for such life, for this idea that Christ could live in us? And I want to just distill it down to the elements, to the basics, to the fundamentals, three fundamentals. And it's spelled out for us in Scripture. Peter the Apostle preached it on this day that the Holy Spirit was first given as the gift after Christ ascended into heaven, the Bible uses terms like the Holy Spirit was poured out. Peter said on that day where he received this gift of the Spirit, he began to preach and he said, repent, number one, and be baptized, number two, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's three basics, three elements, three fundamentals to this idea of life, of a life that's real and authentic with Jesus Christ living inside of us. So first, to have true life, to have this authentic, real life we must repent. It's a must. It has to happen. And what is repentance? It's to deal with death. It's to deal with death because to be outside of Jesus Christ is death. To be outside of Jesus is to be dead. Dead how? The Word of God tells us it's dead in trespasses and sin. Those are the words of Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. He was comparing in this letter the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ which is the power of eternal life, Christ resurrected. Paul's comparing that with life in the world. And what is life in the world but dead life? He says it's being led by the cravings of the natural, by, by the lust of the flesh, the cravings of this natural world. And Paul said this was no life at all because it's being dead and it's being dead in your sin and trespasses. And he went on to say you could be dead in sin but made alive. Made alive, how? Made alive in Jesus Christ. He went on in in Ephesians chapter 2, I'll read you verses 4 and 5. He said, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive. Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So before any sinners can be made alive in Christ Jesus, there must be a turning away from sin. There must be turning away from uh, these transgressions and sin, which Paul mentions, and that's the root of death. And so to turn from that, to, to put it behind us, that's repentance. That's just simply what the word is. To turn our backs on that, to go another direction. And accordingly, that's where grace comes in, this grace that Paul mentions to the Ephesians. There's a picture of this, this grace that Paul refers to, the grace of our God to guilty sinners, and this grace is, it's a gift. It's the gift of God. God gave his son, Jesus Christ. He is the one that became sin for us. Jesus took it on. He became sin who knew no sin. That's because he never sinned at all. That what? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. We're righteous before God Almighty because of Christ. The Lord Jesus died for our sin, spilled out his precious blood upon a Roman cross for you, for me. This was a sacrificial death because sin is a capital offense. The only way to deal with it is through blood. Now, we might not understand it. We might say that's harsh. We might not agree with God, but God is God, and he said sin's terrible. He couldn't be in the presence of sin. It's a capital crime, and the way to pay for it is with blood. But Jesus Christ was the perfect and the complete satisfaction. His blood made what the Bible says is atonement. The Bible uses this word. Christ was a sacrifice, and it just means that he made satisfaction, that God accepted what Jesus Christ did for my sin, for your sin. And that's an amazing thing. So the price is paid. We don't have to deal with it if we turn in repentance and accept what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross, that it's received by faith. God received the death of Jesus Christ as this final, the word atonement, the final satisfaction, the final payment, so that reconciliation could be made between man and God, between woman and God. This is why the blood of Jesus Christ is called precious. That's why Peter in his letter uses this word. It's precious blood. It did something. It accomplished something. Something that I don't have to do. Something that you don't have to do. And that's make this restitution for sin. If you or any of you here has not availed yourself to that offering made by Jesus, and your desire is for this pardon, hear the message today. Hear the message today. It's for you to turn. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what it boils down to, because it's in Jesus in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. He is the savior for every single one of us. Acknowledging that repentance, that's the first, that's the first element, that's the first basic in obtaining this real, authentic life. Recognizing our sinful condition and acknowledging that we're in a state of death. We have to turn from it in repentance, yield to Jesus Christ, give him our life, and as Paul said to the Ephesians, to be made alive in Christ Jesus. Now, that would be all we needed. That would be it. If the very next thing was God called us to glory and we left this earth. But that's typically not the case. We have days ahead of us, we have time yet on this earth. So it's onward, it's onward in this new life, in the second element. The second necessity, what is it? Paul said, repent and be baptized. That's why we've uh, opened our baptistry. A couple of weeks ago, we baptized someone because they came to this idea that I've repented and, and I've turned my life over to Jesus Christ. And that's what the Bible says then, be, uh, be ready and come to him in baptism. It's to renounce publicly this former way of life, Baptism. In baptism, the life of sin is uh, said to be crucified with Christ. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. crucified with Christ so that the body and the life that has been ruled by sin might be done away with. Baptism pictures death. Again here, we're dealing with death to come to life. Paul said to the Romans, Don't you know that when you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into his death? we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Why? Why is that? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live. So again, death to life. Repentance deals with death. This baptism deals with death to life. If you've come to Christ, but you've never been baptized, don't put it off any longer you know, contact us, let's make, a, let's make a day so that you can come and be, be baptized. There's a work that is done by the power of the Holy Spirit in baptism. So life requires this. Life requires repentance, one, second, baptism, and third, Peter declared, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Living in Christ necessitates receiving this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now we don't focus on it as much. We talk about repentance and baptism, and today I want to spend some time on this. The Holy Spirit and this this gift of the Holy Spirit and what it means to life. Jesus declared to his disciples, the Spirit gives life. That's John chapter 6. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, Jesus said, because it neither sees him nor knows him. He said to his friends, though, you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. Very interesting. The Holy Spirit's going to be, he's with you, but he's going to be in you. Jesus spoke of a greater measure of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit wouldn't just be an external, an external guide, an external leader, but that this Holy Spirit might indwell God's creation, now that's an awesome thing. Just think about that for a minute. Jesus spoke about this. He said, the Holy Spirit is not just with you, but he's going to be in you. So this is why Paul could rightly uh, put down, Christ lives in me. Because Jesus gave his spirit and to live life, real life, the only true life, comes by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Paul drove this point home in Romans chapter 8. He repeated it over and over. And I encourage you just to, to earmark that that passage in your Bible, Romans chapter 8. It comes after Paul's testimony of his life. It comes after he says uh, very, very plainly, I struggle with this life. I'm having a tough time. There is this this flesh of mine, this natural that keeps tugging at me, and I do the things that I hate to do. And I don't do what I should be, and and, and I really want to do inside my heart. But he opens Romans chapter 8, and he says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to speak about living in the Spirit. And it's really the theme of uh, Romans chapter 8, and what a powerful difference this is for us who are living after Jesus Christ, that we have his holy spirit to fill us. Paul says the spirit gives life Romans 8:2 Romans 8:10. And in this spirit living in you the spirit will give you life that's Romans 8:11. This is life empowered by the indwelling of the holy spirit. You know and it wasn't the norm in the old testament. This is something that occurred after the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the mention of beings filled with the Holy Spirit is rare. And it's not the norm. It's exceptional. Yet whenever anyone was given an extraordinary empowerment, even in the Old Testament, it was by the Holy Spirit. When Moses felt overwhelmed, he, he said to the Lord, I can't take it. I can't do this. You have given me so many people. He said, there's 600,000 men. And how many more women and children? And he had hundreds of thousands of people to deal with. And they were complaining to him. He said, Lord, I can't do it. What did the Lord do? He said, Moses, call 70 elders. Call the 70 elders. And he said, I'm going to give them some power. I'm going to empower them. And how was that? He said, I'm going to empower them by the Spirit. And I want to read to you what happened, because it's interesting. When Moses brought together the 70 elders, let's read this in Numbers chapter 11. It's verse 25. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and he spoke with him. And he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him, on Moses, and put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. Now think about this. The Lord says he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on Moses and He put it on the 70 elders. So these 70 elders received some power of the Spirit that rested on them. And what do they do? They begin to prophesy. There was even two of them that weren't even with that crowd. They were in the city. Eldad and Medad, and, and they began to prophesy too. And people were asking, how, does, how is this happening? Power of the Holy Spirit. Came to rest on them. But isn't it interesting that God said He just takes some of the power? Now think about that. Where you live in a time where not only will the power be on you, but in you. That the that the living God, the living Holy Spirit could indwell you. That's an amazing thing. That's beyond the power that these that received it. It was just resting on them. We live in a time well beyond that Old Testament time. We believe and we confess that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and the giver of life, and we're convinced beyond this that God has made promises with reference to this gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe it today? That this Holy Spirit won't be just with us, but in us, as Jesus promised. And a promise was reiterated by his apostles, that the Holy Spirit would be living in us as a life-giving source. Now, when these first 120 that were in an upper room received the Holy Spirit, the very first time, you can read about it in Acts chapter 2, 120 in an upper room, doing as Jesus had directed them, that they would go and wait for this, this gift of the Spirit. And there was a visible sign. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them when the Holy Spirit arrived. And then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, as the days and the months and the years went on, did this occur again? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. The infilling of the Holy Spirit occurred for believers who repented and were baptized. You can read about it all the way to uh, Acts chapter 19, which was decades after Jesus. And the apostle Paul said to these in Ephesus, do you, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? They said, we haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. He said, how were you baptized? They said, we were baptized by John or in John's baptism. He said, oh, you need to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were, and they received this gift of the Holy Spirit. It says they began to speak, in other tongues, this, this occurred. Now, did this visible sign of fire on their heads reoccur? No. No, we don't read that that reoccurred, but that this gift within an empowerment by Almighty God with gifts that are supernatural did keep occurring, and we believe they occur today, that the uh, prophecy of Joel that Peter repeated that said, this is for you and your children, and for as many who are afar off, meaning not just the Jews, but the Gentiles, and even us who live afar off, that we receive this gift. Though the sign of fire was never repeated, it was often that the Holy Spirit enabled these gifts. And often you read about them, and that this is things like speaking in another tongue. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is a gift. The New Testament writers document that the Holy Spirit also gives gifts. So we can receive this gift of the Holy Spirit and then get magnified, that the the Spirit himself gives gifts, gifts which transcend natural capacities, gifts of speaking in other languages and interpreting uh, other languages, wisdom, faith, healing, prophecy. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit. We don't receive these gifts unless we have the Spirit himself In receiving these gifts, I want to emphasize to you this morning, they don't make you a better Christian. They don't make me a better Christian. They don't make us more more spiritual. But they help us. God did not give us his Holy Spirit just as an aside, as something to be ignored. These gifts of the Spirit are empowering gifts, and they help us in this thing that we call life here on this earth. They're channels. They're channels of blessing for us. To be endowed with a a gift of the Spirit, like a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, or to be able to pray a prayer and heal, or to be endued with great faith. These can be helpful, helpful gifts for us and channels of awesome blessing. I, I, I wonder why sometimes we just seem to sort of not emphasize this or We don't talk about it as much as maybe we should because the New Testament is filled with examples. I give you an example. I don't know that this is the best uh, parallel or the best analogy, but this morning I was talking to Julie. She said, you know, I turned the TV on last night. And she doesn't watch TV very much at all. And, you know, she turned on the TV and she said, Heck, I, I got one channel can 't really get anywhere. and I think, is this sort of what we do with the Holy Spirit? Is this just you know we have this gift, and then what? So I said, you know, we talked so so I had cut the cable we don't have cable anymore, so she asked me, how do I, how do I watch TV? And I said, we have all kinds of Content on the TV, right? This new TV, smart TV, it's got all kinds of apps on it, you know, all these different networks, and uh, we can stream thousands of things. But you know, unless you have availed yourself to, to being able to get those various channels, you're sort of just with the one. And I think, is this somewhat what we do? Where we repent, we're baptized. Yes, we, we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, and then we don't seek more. We don't realize there's so much more. And I, as I just talked to her and said, hey, it's, I can show you. I can talk to you about how you can open up this, this content. And she's, because she is, likes things. She says, oh, is there any Bible programs? Yes, there are. I can get you, I can get you over to those. But we just need to know that they're there and they're available, and just ask, right? And even when, you know, I received this, we, we purchased this new TV, I had to figure it out, right? I had to ask, how do I do this? What, what comes? And, and again, I say it might not be the p- best analogy, but we have this spirit, and there are these, these broader gifts of the spirit that are available. Have we? Immersed ourselves into the Spirit and asked for them. You know, Paul. Paul said these are these are available. All of these gifts, but again, I say they don't make us better. They don't make us. uh, They don't put us above another Christian. As a matter of fact, Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, as he began to to instruct in in, uh, one Corinthians twelve about these gifts of the Spirit, he interjected a whole chapter about love. He said, you know, if you operate these gifts, or God has given you and bestowed these gifts upon you, but you don't have love, they're really worthless. If I have the gift of prophecy or knowledge or faith to move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So he says, you know, these gifts need to operate in love. If the Holy Spirit bestows this gift upon you, it doesn't make you. Somewhat better or above others. And he goes on in that that whole chapter, chapter 13, and says, operate in love. And then chapter 14. And 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he just sums it all up. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Church, are you eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit? Are you eagerly desiring them there is so much more it's like this world of content that's available but we need to we need to ask how how does this happen you might you might ask we need we, we need to ask i want to give you um just a, an anecdote of someone who did just that just sincerely asked her name's mary vitalian mary has been at our church for a number of years, and Mary came through our catechism class, and she was just a really a very sincere, wonderful, outgoing person who is loving the Lord and moving forward in her relationship with Jesus Christ. But she desired more. And she said, I want this gift. I want this gift of being able to speak in an unknown tongue what does Paul say? Eagerly desire the gifts. So I talked to Mary yesterday, and I asked her, is this because I had heard her story? And I called her up and said, is this how it was? And she said, yes. She came to the altar one day. There was, there was an altar call, and she came on down. And she just said, Lord, I, I would really desire this gift. And I know one of our elders was, actually a couple of our elders were praying with her, and the Lord met Mary. And she said it was beautiful, and it's wonderful. and it's changed her. It's changed her life. She has a different approach to her prayer time. And even after I talked to her, Mary left another beautiful message uh, on our phone about just how the Lord touched her that day. See, he can give these gifts, and he can give them at later times in our life experience, after we're saved, after we're born again, after we've been baptized. This was some long time after Mary had uh, come through catechism, long after she had repented. But you might ask, "So, so tell me how? How do I do this? What is there... Is there a formula? No, there's no formula, but there's a great promise for us. There is a great promise in the Word of God, and it's in Matthew chapter 7, and it's also in Luke 11. It's Jesus. It's the words of Jesus, and we can take the words of Jesus to heart. Jesus said in uh, Luke chapter 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What a promise. What a promise. And that's the promise that Mary availed herself to. It's the promise we all can avail ourselves to. Just to come and ask. Ask. Lord, boy, I need more of you. I need more of your spirit. I need more. of Lord, just bestow a gift upon me, I pray. Jesus has opened the door for that. The apostle says, eagerly desire these gifts. You're born again, you've been baptized, you've known, you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Beyond that, what about these, these additional gifts? What about these greater manifestations of the Holy Spirit? Have you had such an experience? Now, I've heard stories. I, I was baptized, and yeah, I, I prayed with a group of people, but that's it, but that's it. Now, Never really had anything since then. Today you can ask. Today you can ask. This morning is our time where we we take time second Sunday to pray for people. Today I want to pray. I want to ask if is there anyone here? You've been baptized, maybe we're baptized as a youth, you know, or even as an adult, and you've questioned whether you've really received any gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can surrender your heart today and ask. And I want to invite you. I want to invite anyone. Is there anyone here? Because I'll tell you what, I want more. I'm going to ask. And if there's no one that comes to these altars this morning, I'm going to. Because Paul the Apostle said, we can eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. I eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. I don't have every gift of the Spirit, but I'll tell you what, I want more because I want to live in the Spirit. I want Jesus Christ living in me, and I want his Spirit to to exude out of me. I want this overflowing and outpouring of the Spirit in me, but I also want it to come out of me. I want to be able to express what God wants me to express to him through these gifts that are called the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't have them all. So I'm going to ask if there's anyone here, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, come on, let's pray. And anyone here, you've got the gifts of the Spirit, you've got some, you can come down and pray with us, pray over those who want more. You can pray with me because I want more this morning.
1: And Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Your presence Let us experience The glory of Your goodness Let us become More aware Of Your presence Let us experience The glory of Your goodness Lord. Come on sing out are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Oh, your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Just begin to lift your hands and worship the Lord this morning. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Let's invite his Holy Spirit in this place. Just ask the Lord to fill you with his gift this morning. If you would like prayer, have one of the ministers pray for you. If you'll just step down to the altar.
0: Anyone and all, come on. Lord, we just pray for your spirit to fall, Lord. We pray for your spirit to fill these genuine and sincere hearts that are asking for gifts, Lord, that you would do the work, my God, none of us, but Lord, that you would work through channels of blessing, Lord, hands being laid one on another, Lord, one believer to another. God, we pray that your spirit would move, that you would stir up gifts within us, Lord, that you would bestow us with what your word says, God, Gifts of healing and faith and words of knowledge and wisdom, Lord, bestow it upon this congregation. We pray, we ask, we invite, Lord, humbly but boldly at thy throne of grace. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep asking. Thank you, Lord.
1: continue to lift your voice to the Lord and worship him Nothing can compare, you're all living Pray.
0: Be aware of his presence. Oh, the presence of the Holy Spirit is here. Be aware of his presence and his goodness. Avail yourself today. We don't need to rush out of here. God's not uh, pushing us out And as much as it might seem odd. It might be odd to the world, but this is not odd to us. God has given us these gifts for our use. You know, the first people who received these gifts, they were accused of being drunk, but they weren't. They were endued with power from on high. Let's receive power from on high. Lord, come, come thou fount of every blessing. Lord, touch, Lord, may your fresh anointing flow among the people of Bethesda Christian Church, Lord. Touch hearts, Lord, if they're not eagerly desiring your gifts, Lord, stir up your gift inside them, God. Stir up their hearts that they would want more of what you have. Lord, more of what you have, despite that the the world might call it odd or weird, it's you and it's your gifts that are supernatural. God, pour into these, pour into us, Lord. We open our hearts, we surrender to you, God, for your gifts, for your gifts, Lord. Keep on, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to give. Continue to give, Lord, as hearts are yielding to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.